returning home to the place I have been before. It's been a long and lovely time. Now I'm turning home to what my heart's been searching for. Never more to roam. I'm turning home. Greetings and welcome to Turning Home. This is your pastor at Paradise, Rob Ernest from Paradise United Methodist Church in Smithville, Missouri. We are in Mark. We've been in Mark off and on for quite a while here now. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Mark 8, 31 through 38. Then he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things." He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Most of you know by now that Donna and I have two grandkids. Braylon, who recently turned 10 years old, and Callaway, who just recently turned four. They're both happy and healthy, and they like people, and they think their Pop and Dee Dee are about the best things since Nintendo Switch and Bluey. If you don't know what Nintendo Switch and Bluey is, you don't have any grandkids that age. They are growing up fast, and Braylon, at 10 years old, is becoming very, very independent. And of course, his little sister, Callaway, thinks that she should be able to do most everything that 10-year-old brother Braylon does. She'll say, now don't worry guys, I got this. <laughs> being independent is, is good up to a point, that point being when her mom and dad tell her no, which is not very often. When they're little, you know, and when they're growing up, and when they start walking and discovering things which they once couldn't get into or was out of their reach, and neither one of them heard that word very much, no. The whole world was kind of theirs for the taking. But then they get to the point where you've got to tell them no for their safety, you know? Like, no, don't stick that fork in the light socket. No, don't put that spider in your mouth. Or no, don't drink out of the puppy's water bowl. You don't, you don't want to do that. Both of them are are pretty much beyond those concepts now, but they still have some trouble with authority, people who tell them no. But really, if we're honest about it, nobody likes to be told no, you know? And most people don't really enjoy telling someone else no. We like to be positive. We like to be upbeat. We don't like to deny anyone anything. That's why it's so fun when Braylon and Calloway 
come to visit their Didi and Pop without their mom and dad. We hardly ever say no to them. Isn't that what good grandparenting is all about? It's what I've heard. Never saying no to the grandkids. And so, here we are in this season of Lent, sometimes known as the season of no. As we move towards the cross and prepare ourselves for the resurrection, there's no question that saying no is a central theme for these days. But it's a little different than saying no to a four-year-old or even having it said to us. Lent is a time of saying no to ourselves. Lent is about self-denial. Now, for a lot of people, this Lenten self-denial means something like giving up soft drinks or chocolate or caffeine. It's kind of like me deciding this year to square off skydiving and snake handling. It's, it's not that big a deal. I can do that. But when we probe a little deeper, when we hear that saying no to ourselves in the way Jesus would have us say it, well, there's a little more to it than just denying ourselves a game of Candy Crush or a Sonic cheeseburger for a few days. Saying no to ourselves is a central theme in the passage that we just read a few minutes ago. Jesus tells his disciples he is going to suffer and die. This is the first of three occasions when he says it that we know of in the Gospels. Eight chapters into the Gospel of Mark, and the secret is out that Jesus who saves will also suffer. The one who confronts every kind of evil will be murdered by evil. He tells them that right up front. Jesus will deny himself and say no to his own will, pick up a cross, and do the will of the Father. He chooses to save the world, even if it means losing his life. And Simon Peter doesn't understand this. And he immediately tells Jesus, no. And frankly, you can't blame him. It's a difficult message to hear. Peter didn't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. But if anybody wants help from Jesus, they must remember how he endured suffering and rejection. Jesus didn't swoop down from the throne of God ready to snatch us from the earth and take us to heaven. He came here and stayed here. He was buried in the ground here. He became human just like us. Fully human and fully divine. We can't wrap our heads around that, but that's what happened. As we were reminded on Ash Wednesday, we are made of dust, and to dust we shall return. It's not an option. A couple of verses before this morning's text began, Peter makes his great confession. He says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. That's what I think. And he was right as far as he went. What Peter could not understand or comprehend is that Jesus gives his life as an act of self-denial, as an act of saying no to himself. He took the low road all the way to the cross. And that's a hard picture to keep in, in focus. His sacrifice judges our perceptions about success and accomplishment. That's not how we picture winning versus losing, which is another one of those things that we as humans don't like to do. We don't like to lose. As a Razorback fan, I've kind of gotten used to it, but we don't like to lose. Jesus tells us, if you want to win, if you want to have a meaningful life, if you want to follow me, here's what you got to do. you got to deny yourself, 
Take up the cross, follow me. This low road Jesus took is the only road available for anyone who tags along behind him. And this isn't easy for us to hear. We don't want to hear it. In this age of entitlement, in this age of prosperity gospel, in this time of every person for themselves, in this culture of the one with the most toys wins, Jesus' message of discipleship clangs in our ears like a cracked bell. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. What are we going to do about this? In my experience, the people who get most upset about this message are either the ones who are very smart and capable with a lot of worldly possessions, talent, and skills, those folks with a lot of self to give up, or those folks who've already had so much taken away that they don't have much self left to deny. It's also difficult for some of our teens who struggle to find their own selves, their own identity, to feel empowered to any degree. Those who believe maybe for the first time in their lives that they are worthy of love and appreciation. It can be harsh to hear Jesus say, deny yourself, say no to yourself. We don't want to hear it. But then again, maybe we got this a little backwards. Maybe we got this self-denial thing going the wrong way. Maybe it's not in possessions or world acclaim where we find our greatest dignity. Maybe we first need to claim the love and dignity which God through Jesus Christ offers us in the first place and then see what happens. If we read the entire Gospel of Mark, we find Jesus to be the strong servant of God. He comes to make a constructive difference in the world. Jesus comes to confront every force that disturbs and destroys human life. Throughout this gospel, this gospel of Mark, he is sent by God to give back dignity to all who have it taken away. You look at the leper who was segregated from the community by his disease. Jesus restores him to health inside the community. Look at the woman who lives on the fringe of town suffering from that hemorrhage. Jesus heals her, gives her a name. He calls her daughter, bringing her back into the family. Look at the sinner who can't undo the effects of his misdeeds. Jesus cancels his debts with God. Mark tells us how Jesus comes to give worth and value, not take it away. And so maybe we should rethink the order of those three imperatives. Deny yourself, carry a cross, follow me. Which comes first? Which is most important to God? We can deny ourselves, but we don't have to deny our God-given dignity, our God-given dignity, which Jesus came to restore. We can go out looking for crosses to carry, and I'm sure you realize there are people who love to do that. Always looking for a cause to annoy somebody else with. Do you know people like that? Always dressing in the armor of a martyr and shouting, hit me again. There are some people who are never happy unless they are suffering in some way, and they sometimes get a little smug about it. The point is, Jesus never says, go out into the world and get yourself beaten up for me. Never said it. But he does say, follow me. And my reading of the Gospel of Mark, that's what matters following Jesus. We are in fact called for and called upon to follow Jesus. His invitation comes before every other claim on our lives. Following Jesus means two things. First, we have to become his disciples. 
That means we revise our own personal agendas, our own itineraries, and put ourselves in the position to learn from him. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is a learner, a student. We give up the illusion that we are experts in leading our own lives. I used to say, like the grandkids, don't worry, guys, I I can do this. I got this. But I usually mess things up pretty badly when I try to do things on my own. Jesus is a lot better at running my life than I ever was, I'll tell you that. Second, if we follow Jesus, we will engage in the same work that Jesus has been doing by doing something about injustice to the poor, by feeding the hungry, healing the sick, giving hope to the hopeless. We will tell the truth. We will touch the untouchable. We will forgive the unforgivable. We will love the unlovable. We will do God's work in the world just like Jesus. That's what we call church work. You heard of that? Being the body of Christ, his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, his pocketbook. Now, when we do that, we have every reason to expect that what happened to Jesus might happen to us. Disciples of Christ are not called to suffer. They are called to take the gospel to the world, though. But because of the confrontational nature of that calling, the world they confront may persecute them in order to stop them. When I say the world will try to stop them, sometimes that means their own family and friends. Suffering may be the result of the call, but suffering is not the call itself. What happened to Jesus, for the same reason it happened to him, may happen to those acting and preaching on his behalf. But as a disciple of Christ, I hope you don't wake up every morning and say, how am I going to let the world beat me up today? That's not how it goes. As disciples of Christ, what we are to do is to get out of bed and ask, how can I let the world know the life of Jesus is the hope of the whole world? Once I thought those three commands had to stay in the same order that they appear in the Bible. Deny yourself, go looking for a cross, follow Jesus. But the more I reflect on this, the more I realize the emphasis maybe moves in the other direction. The most important thing we can ever do is follow Jesus Christ, to learn from him and do his work. And then, if the world hands us a cross, we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus says, come follow me. That doesn't mean we will intentionally put ourselves in positions where we will be put down, beaten up, or killed. But it does mean we will take more seriously than we take ourselves or anybody else, or anything else, this calling. Saying no to ourselves rids us of a lot of pressure for possessions, for the need of power, the desire for the favor of others, just to name a few. It takes that burden off of us. Saying no to ourselves means we choose to put God's ways before our own pursuits. That's what it means. We choose to follow Jesus and to do His work. Nothing else will ever come before it. So let's try this order for a while. Follow Christ. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. During these days of Lent, this is his invitation. It never means that we give up our God-imaged dignity. We are made in God's image. 
we have that dignity in and of itself. But it does mean that we will take on the mantle of faithfulness. We will speak as Jesus speaks. We will act as Jesus acts. And if a cross is given to us, we won't say no to it. We'll pick it up and carry it. Don't worry, guys. We can do this. Thanks be to God. I'm turning home to the place I have been before. It's been a long and lovely time. Now I'm turning home to what my heart's been searching for. Never more to roam. I'm turning home. Are you looking for a church home? You are certainly welcome at Paradise United Methodist Church in Smithville, Missouri. Join us for in-person worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. or online on Facebook Live, YouTube, or from the website at cometoparadise.org. This is Pastor Rob, looking forward to seeing you. Blessings on your head.